programme is brought to you in association with Alexander's Chartered Accountants in Red Hill. Hello and welcome to this special VE Day edition of Out and About here on Radio Red Hill. I'm Katie Child sitting in for Owen Davies. Now, this year is the 75th anniversary of VE Day. Back in 1945, on the 8th of May, victory was declared in Europe and Britain was filled with street parties to celebrate the occasion. Year on year, we continue to mark the day in the same way, but this year was slightly different. The parties still flourished, but all at a two-metre distance. One member of Radio Redhill, Owen Davies, enjoyed this year's street party while reflecting on the actual day when he was only 14 years old. I quite clearly remember the street party celebrating V-Day, Katie. And if you can imagine an empty street and suddenly all the kitchen tables are brought out and the chairs and the armchairs and so on and so forth. So they brought out all the tea party stuff, which included fish paste sandwiches and Welsh cakes and jelly and blancmange and pop, otherwise known as lemonade. So I remember that quite clearly. And I remember too, the double-decker buses having some difficulty coming up our street because obviously the street had been taken over by the local residents. Did you have any favourite food or drink uh, from the parties? Well, I, I don't suppose I did really, although you must remember rationing was still very much in force. And when I mentioned paste sandwiches, that really was quite a treat. And I suppose the, another treat was jelly and blancmange. That certainly was. You might be interested to know that before my VE Day party, I did have a little bit of wartime experience. Nothing serious, but nevertheless involved Hitler's Air Force. And in 1941, I was admitted to the, a large hospital in Cardiff, at the Prince of Wales Hospital. In February 1942, the hospital was the, the middle of a lot of bombing. And uh, a landmine landed nearby, and all the patients were evacuated the next couple of days out to another hospital in the Vale of Glamorgan. So that's how uh, my first and only dangerous experience of the war was being bombed by the Luftwaffe. Uh, Anyway, I ended up in the country. From there, I went to a school in North Wales in 1944. And believe it or not, that area of the North Wales coast was used by, we didn't know it was at the time, but it was used for manoeuvres in readiness for D-Day. And the place was packed out with Americans and British soldiers and all the amphibious vehicles that were used in the D-Day landings in France. And we used to pop down to these vehicles on the Sunday. And the Americans, were, of course, they loved having kids. They used to pull us up on the, on the ducks and give us chewing gum and so on. And we would have a, a ride along the, the sands towards the sea in these vehicles. What was it like being in the in the tanks? It wasn't a tank proper. It was. Have you seen these ducks that they've got on the River Thames these days for for tourists? Oh yes. So we just sat on the top. The interesting thing was about five or six years ago for Radio Red Hill, I went down to the Bluebell Railway to do a piece about the wartime, 
And lo and behold, I met a chap there who said, I used to drive ducks, you know. Oh, did you? He said, yes. You don't know what those are, do you? He said to me, and I said, well, actually, I do. And he said, well, I was in Tawin in North Wales, he said, and we used to do our maneuvers there in the sand dunes and so on. And he said he and another chap were given the task of driving two of these ducks from North Wales to Liverpool docks, and they were put on a ship, these two ducks, taken to Yalta for the conference between Winston Churchill, uh, Stalin, and Roosevelt. I said, well, what did you do with them? What was, what was the idea? And he said, oh, well, the parties, the Churchill's party and so on, and Stalin and so on, they were to sleep on the ships at sea, and in the morning, these ducks would transport them by water to the land for the conferences. And he said, the funny thing is, he said, neither of them worked, so they had to go on ordinary lifeboats. But it's interesting that years afterwards, there am I on Bluebell Railway talking to a man who had actually been there the same time as I had been. Me as a kid of 14, and he as a chapel, probably 24, 25. Well, you never know. You might have actually met him on the very, beach. <laughs> very true. Very true. It's, it suddenly realize when you meet somebody like that is how small the world is and how lucky you are to be not where he was. You know, he was a young man called to war and did his bit. And uh, we all benefited by it. Mm, definitely. Yeah. And did you, as a child, were you following the war at all? Yes, we did. Because the, the papers in those days, the front pages of every newspaper, I remember my dad used to take the Daily Express. And each day there was an up-to-date map of uh, the whereabouts of the American and British forces and the German forces. It's just like if, you, if you've ever watched the beginning of the, the feature of the Dad's Army, it has a diagram, an animation of arrows showing where the troops were going. Well, the newspapers at that time did exactly that. And it showed you exactly where what progress was being made and where the Germans were being pushed back. So I never knew yeah. that. I never knew that the, that animation was actually based on the actual maps which were drawn up. Yes, now, normally there would be lots of street parties going on on Friday, but because of the lockdown, it's a little bit different this year. And I understand on Friday you went to, or you had a front garden street party, but social distancing. Yes, that's right, Katie. It was a brilliant idea, really. The rule was that each family would get out into its own front garden and stay there and have their tea and biscuits or glass of wine and uh, whatever it was they were eating. And that worked really well because what happened was people would then walk out into the street itself and walk past your, your bottom of your garden. And then people coming up and just stopping and saying, oh, hello. And you'd have a good old gossip for 10 minutes or so. I, I think it's been quite a successful occasion. And people sort of respected the non-contact part of it all. And at 11 o'clock, we had the two-minute silence followed by the last post. At 1,300 hours, that's 1 o'clock, we were told to listen and look out for the Spitfire, which is due to fly over the Queen Vic Hospital. The reason for that, of course, was that that's where many of the RAF people who suffered burns were treated. So did you have cake, wine? We did have wine. We had a nice red wine and a few scones, 
lady next door, she makes cheese scones. They're delightful. And Sheila, my wife, made some scones as well. I devoured those. I think the people, the families kept themselves to themselves, but linked with people when they paraded up and down the pavement. So that was, I think it worked out very well. There are many memories from people who lived through the war, but none so poignant as those who served their country. Myself and Dave King met some veterans at the Heaver Homefront event last year, where we were greeted with music, memorabilia and the immortalised speeches of Sir Winston Churchill. We shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills, we shall never surrender. Derek, that was a fantastic uh, reenactment of Churchill. You must have studied the video footage for a long time to get it as so accurate as that. I'm a trained actor, but yeah, being Mr. Churchill about 15 years as part of my entertainment services, I'm an actor, entertainer, play instruments, auctioneer, after dinner speaker, but Winston Churchill is one of my favourites. And uh, he was such a lovely setting for this event, isn't it? This event has grown each year. More people are taking an interest in it, and it's nice to bring young children along to uh, inform them what the veterans and people did for our uh, society today. In fact, there's a veterans tent over there. They brought some veterans in and they're looking after them. Those gentlemen did their bit for this country. Without Winston Churchill and these veterans, we wouldn't be here today. And you say, how long have you been doing this uh, 15 together? 15 years, really. Ten, between 12 and 15 years. Also, we attend military events as well. In September, we do a mini tour for the Battle of Britain dinners at RAF, RAF establishments and... We use a top table and they're all there in the refinery and between courses I do the speeches. Now, my friends, this is your hour. This is not a victory of any class or party. It is a victory for the great British nation as a whole. And to remember all the speech as well, word by word, I mean, they're very long speeches. Absolutely. I mean, I try to condense it down, put the main... Yes pieces from here, pieces from there, because his speech did go on for about an hour, yes. longer. But great man, he was, you know, he was dyslexic, you know. Was he? Yes, dyslexic, and he put a lot of the speeches together himself, but he was very, very well read. The use of the English language is tremendous, and, and that's what galvanised the British people. It was a nation that had the lion's heart. I had the luck to be called upon to give the roar. Advance Britannia! Long live the cause of freedom. God bless you all. Thank you. Three cheers of Mr. Churchill. Hip, hip. I'm here with one of the veterans, Tom, here at Hever Castle. Hello, how are you enjoying today? It was brilliant, it was brilliant, especially the last bit of the sing-song and the meals. We've been well taken care of with the meals and it was nice. What was your favourite song? Kiss Me Goodnight, Sergeant Major. <laughs> and which regiment did you serve oh, in? 30 years in the Royal Air Force. What did you do in the Royal Air Force? First of all, I was a radar operator. And then when I came down the second time, I was a senior in-flight coordinator, I took care of the royal family and the cabinet ministers. 
and anybody who's important who came in, um, peasants and all that, that's my job to make sure that the aircraft were ready to take off. Food, silver, everything was all there. And I did President Regan in 84, the 40th anniversary of the Normandy landings, and I worked on his aircraft. So you've yep. done quite a lot of service. Yeah. Not bad for a pit lad. I was a miner. Come back in, the mines were too, too small for me. So when I left the mines, I got called up, went to join the army, couldn't find the place, and I finished up in the Royal Air Force. Then I came out five years in the police force and the dustbin men and the bus drivers had gotten more than what we did. So I came back in and did another 27. Talking to one of the veterans here, it's very good to meet you, George. It's nice to meet you. It's a very nice day today. George, I see you have a, a lovely display of medals there. Could you take me through how you managed to get them? Because they, they look splendid. I started my national service in Royal Sussex Regiment and I went out to Egypt. They were at the Suez Canal. That's what this General Service Medal is for. Then after five and a half months, I came back to England to join the Royal Fusiliers and we went to Korea. This is the Korean medal and the United Nations medal with the clasped Korea on it. That must have been an interesting experience, I would have thought. It was really, but I think I was more affected by the weather than anything else. When we arrived, it was very hot, about 30 degrees centigrade. And then the time the winter came, it was minus 30, and it was bitterly cold. So, George, have you had to travel very far to get here to Hever? No, I live in Bexley. So the taxi driver brought us all the way they elected. That's a very good charity, isn't it? And I believe that today's event is really to raise awareness and money for that charity. Have you been able to make use of their services for events throughout the years? Well, yes, this is the third thing I've been to this year. We went to Holland in the beginning of May. They celebrate their Liberation Day, which is May the 4th. They had about four days there. And then last Tuesday we went to Worthing, they do that annually. We have just had a treat outside the Hever Castle here, and I'm with the Fifanellas, and I'm with Annie, George, and Lou. Hello, ladies. You're looking very glamorous in your palm print dresses. Have you enjoyed the day so far? Oh, it's been amazing. It's so beautiful here, and the crowd's great. It's a great atmosphere. So, yeah. Do you do this often? We do, yeah, we do. We sing all over the country, really. We've just come back from Normandy. We do we're a vocal harmony trio and we sort of specialise in World War II songs and we also do postmodern jukebox. But it's lovely to be able to come here today and, and do our World War II songs. By me, Mr. Shane, please let me explain. By me, Mr. Shane, your grand. Do you have any inspiration from the 1940s? We do. I mean, Annie's sung for, for lots of years on her own, doing all the 1940s. And actually, Annie and I were at school together. And I think she was just born in the wrong era, to be honest. Are you local? No, we're actually from Highcliffe in Dorset. Also, quite a way to travel then today. Yeah, yeah. But, um, start, but you know, it's worth it. Yeah, to get down. And we're actually going to camp here this evening because we're performing tomorrow as well throughout the day. So camping should be an experience. We're looking forward to it. We've got our We've got some snugglies and supplies, lots of wine. <laughs> oh, no, I shouldn't say that on air, should I? We don't drink at all. <laughs> so you're actually camping in a tent? 
Yes. And Annie's lovely husband, Darren. Thank you, Darren. He's put the tent up for us while we've been singing. When I come home late at night, I get my favourite dish, fish. Hold tight, hold tight, hold tight, hold tight on seafood, mama. We're looking back 75 years at the anniversary year of VE Day here on Radio Red Hill. And we have heard the memories of some incredible people who have lived through World War II. Erwin Davies met an inspirational character who was not only a soldier, but a magician too, known as the conjurer of the River Kwai. Fergus Ancorn fought as a gunner with the 18th Division for only five days against the Japanese at Singapore before the Allies surrendered. He then spent three and a half years as a prisoner of the Japanese. I wondered what might be his recollections of VE Day. Well, I had no recollections of it at all because uh, I was a prisoner in those days and we had no knowledge of anything going on in the world at all. So we knew nothing about it. When did you first become aware that peace had been declared? At one time we did get to know about the Dieppe raid, um, but that was mostly because one of the fellows had made a radio. I don't recollect ever knowing the war in Europe was over for about six months at least. We ought to tell the listeners actually where you were. In, at the time that the war in Europe was over, I was in Thailand as a prisoner and I was near to <clears throat> the Vietnamese border. What about the VJ announcement? Where were you then? Well, one day the Japanese guards came into the camp and asked for five men, which was most unusual because it was usually 500 or 1,000, but they took five and I was one of them. They took us into the jungle and they lined us up against some trees and they took out uh, a machine gun, a Vickers machine gun, put it on a tripod and aimed it at us. And we stood waiting for those bullets to hit us for 10 minutes. You would have heard my knees knocking from here. After 10 minutes, they thought better of it. And they put the gun away they put us back in the truck and took us back to the camp. And there we learnt that the war had been over for three days. Right, now when we got to the camp, it was empty. There wasn't a soul to be seen anywhere. And yet half an hour before, when we'd left the camp, there were two or three thousand people there, and now there was nobody. And I made my way back to my hut and when I got in there the hut was full everybody was sitting on their bed space with their arms round their knees staring at nothing and no one was speaking and about two minutes later Sergeant Major McTavish a wonderful man who was running the camp at that time and he said don't make any noise don't speak, don't do anything that will annoy the Japs. No one leave the hut. 
and someone said, what's going on? And he said, well, I can't tell you what's going on, but whatever you're thinking, you're probably right. And we stayed in that hut for a couple of hours, no one speaking, no one saying anything, and eventually the bugle went and we were called out onto parade. A Japanese officer then came out with his orange box. They always had to stand on an orange box to talk to us because they had to look down on us. We couldn't look down on them. And he then told us that the war of the Greater East Asia Co-Prosperity Sphere was over and we were going home. And we just stood there like zombies with tears streaming out of our faces. We just couldn't take it in. We just had no feelings that it was over. We just stood there. And that was my recollection. In this modern age, there's still a thirst for nostalgia, a chance to experience days gone by. It's easy to be transported back to the 1940s with a little music, fashion and vintage hairstyles. I visited the Brooklands Museum with Dave King for their 1940s relived event and we soon got swept up in the atmosphere. At the 1940s relived event here at the Brooklands Museum, there's been some fantastic music and one of the bands performing is the Kalamazoo Band. Hello Cal, how's it going for you today? Hello Katie, it's going very well, thank you very much. Tell me a bit about your band please. Okay, so we are, um, we've we present in two different formats really. One is Cal's Cats, which is a uh, sort of jump jive and swing band. And then today, the same band, but you're seeing us in a Glenn Miller lineup, which is obviously our Kalamazoo dance band. So we've been going for around about four years, but many of us have been playing in swing bands and big bands over the last 20 years. And so I just decided to pull this together, get the American Forces uniforms, play all the originals from Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller, Artie Shaw, Woody Herman, and so on. And so here we are today, um, and we were here last year as well, so it's great to be invited back and play this kind of music that everybody loves. Do you play lots of different events like this? We do. We're very, um, it's nice to say it, but we are very popular on the 40s scene and swing scene. And so we play a lot of events around the UK where we can be right up north in Pickering or we can be right down here at Brooklands and Bournemouth and wherever. And we'll just go wherever the music takes us and where the people want us to be. Choo -choo, choo -choo, choo -choo, Among the stalls here at the 1940s relived event at the Brooklands Museum, there is a stand which is called Hair That Turns Heads. So I just had to speak to Lucy. Hello, Lucy. Tell me all about it. Hello. Um, so we're doing a pop-up parlour today. So we're doing people's hair and makeup so they can come in and have a sort of taste of the 1940s hair and makeup. So, yeah, it's really good fun. It must be quite a skill to get the hair done in the right way for the 1940s. Yes, yeah, there's a lot of prep to go on first before you can put it into like victory rolls or waves. There's lots of curling, so you have to set the hair first before you do anything. So it's a bit of a, a, bit of a major sort of process, but once it's done it looks really good. 
How long does it take you to put someone's hair up? So it depends. Um, like you could be 15 minutes with some victory rolls, or you know, if you're doing long waves, then that can maybe take about half an hour, sort of 45 minutes. So yeah, it can be a bit of a lengthy progress. And this is your company. How did you start it? So um, I'm trained as a hairdresser um, and then I saw, well it was down to my mum that got me into the vintage hairstyling. So um, I did a tutorial with um, a company called Lipstick and Curls who specialise in vintage hair and makeup. Um, And then I sort of went on to do like vintage fairs and then it's sort of gone into events and weddings. So yeah, it's kind of snowballed into doing sort of other stuff. So it's really nice. We're under one of the marquees. I'm now talking to Noelle Vaughan. She's the uh, wonderful singer of 1940s music here in the marquee a little bit earlier. It's been pretty packed in here listening to you. There are a lot of people in here today. Yes, it's lovely and busy. Um, One thing I would say is that most people get really, really concerned when it starts raining, um, but the performers don't because, of course, it drives everybody into the marquee and we've got a nice big audience. So, um, yeah, we're all huddled together keeping warm in here and we've just had the uh, best dress competition, which they always ask me to judge. Very, very, very difficult. Everyone looked fantastic. They really did, didn't they? They really put a lot of effort into it. (laughs) Oh, they do. Um, Some of the people you see walking around here are something out of a movie they're absolutely beautiful beautiful yeah so take us through some of the songs you've just uh, been singing um well i do a mixture um i try to cover the whole period of the 1940s and that's whether it was for you know jazz or from the movies as well so i've just done some ella fitzgerald uh, some peggy lee um, and some vera lynn to top it off with yeah we heard that just now we'll meet again would you say it's quite an emotional song for you to sing? It's a really emotional song to sing. And it, out of all the songs that I sing, that's the one that really does get a lump in your throat. And of course, it doesn't help you sing the song when you've got a lump in your throat. So I normally try to encourage people to sing along, a bit of audience participation. But really, it's just an excuse while I blub in the background. Because you don't realise, you know, when you actually hear these songs, when you actually come to sing them and you are putting the emotion in singing these songs and you're really thinking about the lyrics it really hits you actually what a terrible time that was and for some people you know they never actually saw their loved ones again and that's just something that is incredibly emotional so yeah I'm welling up now look at me but um, yeah a very very hard song to sing and won't you please say hello to the folks that I know Tell them what Lovely looking back at the 1940s with you to celebrate the 75th anniversary year of VE Day on this special edition of Out and About here on Radio Red Hill.
programme was brought to you in association with Alexander's Chartered Accountants in Red Hill. Your requests on Radio Red Hill. Radio Red Hill. The Belfry Shopping Centre sponsors your Monday requests. The Belfry Shopping Centre, we're waiting to welcome you. Hello there and welcome to the show. I'm Nigel Gray, welcome to this special edition of Your Requests on Radio Red Hill. And every year at Christmas, we produce a top 300 request chart on Radio Red Hill. We play it over Christmas and the New Year. Those top 300, of course, are your favourites for the previous year. Yes, when we go around the wards, you tell us what you'd like to hear. We play it and then we produce the chart. And this evening on this special edition of Your Request, we're going to, in fact, look at that chart of 2019 and count down from number 60 to number 41. Some very good records in there indeed, some good choices. Okay, shall we start on the chart then? I think we should. (laughs) And there we are. Let's start then at number 60 on the chart. And it's Knacking Coal and just one of those things. It was just one of those things Just one of those crazy flings One of those bells that now and then rings Just one of those things It was just one of those nights Just one of those fabulous flights A trip to the moon on gossamer wings Just one of those things If we thought a bit of the end of it When we started painting the town We'd have been aware That our love affair was too hot Not to cool down So goodbye dear and amen Here's hoping we meet now and then It was great fun, but it was just one of those things Just one of those bells that now and then ring Just one of those things (laughs) 
A trip to the moon on gossamer wings Just one of those things If we thought a bit of the end of it When we started painting the town We'd have been aware that our love affair was too hot Not to cool down, so goodbye dear and amen Here's hoping we meet now and then It was great fun But it was just Just one of those things Nat King Cole at number 60 Just one of those things And isn't that brilliant? Just shows how good Nat King Cole is Not only at those lush ballads But also upbeat items like that With a big band backing behind him Absolutely superb there Nat King Cole just one of those things And we now move on to 59 Johnny Cash now, Johnny Cash is a very popular artist indeed here on Radio Red Hill. We play him very often on Red Hill Country every Friday evening here at 7 o'clock. Do join me for that one. And uh, very popular indeed on your 